Hello and welcome to the Around the League podcast from UGASports.com. I'm Dane Young. That's Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus. Joined as always by the headliner of the show, Jim Donnan, the College Football Hall of Famer and the former Georgia head coach. We are brought to you by Connor Grading and Landscaping. They've been our season-long sponsor uh, really making sure that your home tailgate can look as good as possible. And with some of the crazy weather that we've had this year with uh, rain and sometimes and then a little bit of drought, you might need to get them out there this time of year uh, before the grass comes in the spring to check out your yard and check out their new website, Connor Grading and Landscaping. You can see them on Instagram and Facebook, but their new website has got a lot of good ideas for you or give them a call. We'll talk about them more later in the show. Guys, we now have rankings from the College Football Playoff Committee. They gathered in a room in Texas. They have said who they think is the best team so far this year. Coach, is there anything to react to or is it just still a little too early? Well, I think it's early for sure, but you know, some of these teams got to be a little bit uh, worried about where they're starting out. Team like Oklahoma, you know, undefeated but to be that far down but you know you look at their strength of schedule and how they've really struggled I can see why of course Cincinnati everybody's going to talk about the, the fact that they're undefeated and have a big win over Notre Dame but uh, you know when when it all comes down push to shove everybody's mad about Alabama being too uh, a lot of that's eye test a lot of that's just over the past but it's going to all shake out. And as you and I and Dane have talked uh, and uh, Brent have talked about, uh, Oregon kind of holds a lot of keys to the bubble here because Oregon runs the table. They're going to have that big win over Ohio State. And uh, that SEC championship game means a lot to Georgia from that standpoint because of our lack of strength of schedule. Uh, even though we beat teams that are ranked, there are not going to be many ranked teams at the end of the year that we beat. So, a lot of pushing and shoving here and what ifs. And at my age, I can't get too caught up and worrying too much. I'm just glad George is up there at number one. How about you, Brent? I think that's, you know, that, that's something to very much be glad about. And the easiest thing you think about the rankings, just go win your games. <laughs> you win all your games from here on out. You don't have to worry about any sort of rankings. But there is one team that actually does. And to me, that's Cincinnati. Because that the, them being sixth initially, especially with the win at Notre Dame, like that shows that, they need help from Oregon. You know, now granted Oklahoma's behind them, but Oklahoma also has Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State coming up on their schedule. So they're gonna pass them likely based upon that strength schedule. So Cincinnati to me the one is the one that they're gonna need help. And they're it's basically others are going to have to fail, I think, for them to get in. Good point. And the other thing about Oklahoma, which people need to take into account, is they're gonna have a championship game against a really good team that's going to be ranked probably, you know, Baylor or Oklahoma State. So that's going to add their strength of schedule too. But uh, realistically, at this point, their strength of schedule has hurt them. But as you pointed out, it's getting ready to get a lot better. But uh, I think that's a real good thought you had, win your games. That's Hey, let's tell everybody, win your games. Everything is going to go be hunky-dory. The rankings kind of give you that starting point. And when you look at those schedules, you say Georgia's was definitely front loaded to where this last month of the regular season, a little bit lighter than some of the teams that, that you're talking about with Oklahoma. But the other thing that I thought the committee seemed to be really rewarding those big time wins more so than I think I've seen in the past, because as much of a surprise as I think Alabama was at two and, you know, Oregon being, you know, up there as well. 
Mississippi State with three losses and still being a top 20 team. I, I didn't see that coming, but I think that they look at it and say they've got some quality wins along with those three losses. Hey, they sure do. They got three wins over top 25 teams, you know, on the road to beating uh, Texas A&M. But uh, the thing about uh, strength of schedule that goes the other way is Michigan State, until they played Michigan, really hadn't beaten any team with a winning record. So, but, you know, they're looking at the fact that dominant win uh, wasn't there against Michigan State, uh, Michigan, but they did win and they're undefeated. So uh, an undefeated Big Ten team is hard to keep out of the top four, that's for sure. ACC the other way around, obviously. <laughs> yes. Hey, we give up 56 points to Army. I mean, that, that makes you wonder what, how good this team is. I think you're going to really find out a lot about this Wake Forest team this weekend playing at North Carolina, a team that they've had trouble beating, a team that goes, uh, you know, their, their scores have been looked like basketball games the last couple of years. And uh, we'll probably see the same kind of thing. But you got to give Clawson and that staff a lot of credit. There's another example of super seniors. I mean, uh, they've got a lot of kids that are back that right now would probably be working as law, going to law school or dental school or doing something when you get a graduate, when you graduate from Wake Forest. But they're coming back for that extra year playing football and playing really well. And we'll see how it works out. But uh, they got a pretty tough schedule to finish it out. So, but the ACC has uh, is, is really got more. Uh, parity this year than I can ever remember. You know, teams like NC State are playing pretty well. And now all of a sudden Miami has found that magical formula with a freshman quarterback. I think he's a freshman. Brent covers Yeah, redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. freshman. So uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the SEC now. But uh, I think the ACC right now is living on Tulsa time trying to make the playoffs. So. That Manny Diaz may have saved his job. We'll see. That there, there's reports coming out of Miami that maybe they want to make a larger week, commitment to him. This week. It's week to week. week. Always. <laughs> here's what happens. Uh, they got called for using too many headsets. I mean, I've never heard of that one. Uh, I guess you, you got a restriction on how many guys can wear headsets on the sideline. And Miami got turned in and they had too many guys out there with them. So, uh, Shame on you, Miami. We are around the league, and we do discuss the SEC in the week uh, that is each. This is week 10 in the conference, a full slate of games, seven games in the league. And we start with Missouri at Georgia. That is a noon kickoff on ESPN. If you see me turning my head, I have a second screen over here uh, to make sure that I'm telling you the right channel if you like that. So noon ESPN, Missouri at number one, Georgia. We've talked about it. Coach Brent, I'd love your take. Uh, interesting little nugget for you guys. Did you know that Georgia is actually favored by more against Missouri than they are against than they were against Vanderbilt? It's a thirty-eight and a half point uh, spread. Uh, That's a this big week. number. That's a really big number. But I think this is a great week for Georgia, and and coming off of a great week, obviously, get when you get a big win against your rival, and especially a big win against your rival where you can coach like crazy about all the mistakes and the you know just lacks of days go effort in certain things. Your offense was out of sync, like all those things for Georgia. That's a great thing as a head coach where you're like, hey, I get to coach and ride kids hard even though we're winning and killing teams. Uh, but this week, for me, I look for one thing and one thing only. Them to just drop back and throw it more because I think they know they're going to be able to run it whenever they want to because Missouri's defense is that bad from a running standpoint. And when you look at Georgia's offense, over the past four games, 
they've had true or in terms of true pass sets where they just have to drop back and pass. No play action, no RPO, no screen. They've had 12 in four games. So this is the game to me where, hey, you know, this is borderline a practice in a way, but you still got to take care of business. But I think you're going to see them put the ball in the air more this week than you have over the past few weeks. Yeah, I, I could see that too, but that's 12 too many dropbacks for me with Stetson Bennett in there. I'm for moving them around in the pocket. You and I have talked about that, moving them around and doing some things. But the, the addition of Burton Smith coming back is going to help the deep ball. And uh, I could see us, you know, play action deep ball. But uh, the biggest thing here is their, their defense uh, has really been atrocious against the run. And you know, we can run – we say we can run the ball anytime. I hope we can. So, uh, it's just a, a buffet line. What do you want to call, Munkin? What do you want to run? And, and you got to execute it, though. But uh, And defensively, they, they're going to have a new quarterback probably. I don't know if Basilek's going to be ready or not. So, are they going to play the athletic kid or the kid that plays a lot like Basilek? So, but we got to stop that baddie kid. He, he, he makes some good runs, and uh, he's going to make some yardage. But uh, – He's the fifth, Tyler Beatty, fifth highest graded running back, number one in the conference in attempts, number one in yards, number one in touchdowns. They have three of the uh, top 11 in terms of rush block grades, uh, linemen. So they're going to try to run the ball, which is obviously Georgia's strength defensively. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Watch that. You know, Kirby Smart has really done an intentional job, I would say, of trying to make sure that noon crowds are there early and loud. That's happened a couple of times this year. I think it's pretty smart what he's doing, trying to lean into some of that Braves fervor that we're seeing across the state right now. We think Blooper, the mascot, is going to be there based on Twitter. Jock Peterson posted something about it on Instagram. Trying to kind of suck in that championship spirit, I think, will probably help out the stadium atmosphere at noon. Champs. Yeah, I mean, champs. Our, our fans are used to being championship. Just add a little bit more there. Uh, Going to honor Coach Rick at halftime. That's good. So a lot of prospects in. You know, people say, why do prospects come to a game like this? But the, the thing that they don't realize is we got kids that uh, just got out of the hospital uh, from their baby cribs that are going to be here. I mean, we got some young kids coming in, 24, class of 24, class of 25. I mean, that's a great chance to get those guys in and get their first look at uh, what's going on with college football. Next game, also at noon, this one on the SEC Network, Liberty against Ole Miss, number 16th ranked team in the country, the Rebels. Obviously, the headliner is Hugh Freeze returning for this particular game. Uh, but, Brent, I don't think Liberty has seen quite the quarterback play that some NFL teams wanted to see from Malik Willis. Talented guy, but, I mean, first-round pick, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Uh, talent, yes. The talent is there. And, and you know, what's interesting is this, we had seven SEC games. This is technically like if you replace Liberty with Vanderbilt with Liberty. Like this is an SEC game. And, you know, the one that got away, Malik Willis, obviously former Auburn uh, QB, but now at Liberty. But you think about him. He's just such an athlete. He has the number one rush grade in the country, in which, by the way, sets in his 13th uh, in, the, in that in the FBS. But, you know, Ole Miss, the, the, their schedule finally caught up with them, I think, last week. That was their fifth game in a row, and th this was their schedule. Bama, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, and then Auburn. And then now you think, oh, take a little breath. No, you get Liberty and, and the, their talented offense. Now, granted, the team total is not necessarily the talent, but still yet. And by the way, Ole Miss has no breaks the rest of the way. Like, they're still – they're going through the rest of the way. So, it's just kind of one of those things where they didn't get a bye week. And that's – I think – when you think about this conference, that to me is the thing where 
just week after week. You're seeing it's not just, you know, you don't, you're not necessarily seeing great, but you see so much talent that, that it's a physical toll and it just kind of caught up with Ole Miss last week against Auburn. Yeah, it really did. I mean, as you mentioned, they had their bye week really early in the year and it was fortunate for Coach Kiffin because he got to go down and be with his father for inducted into the ring of honor there at Tampa Bay Bucks, which he should have been. You know, he was a great defensive coach. But I think uh, Jerry Leonardo was coaching at LSU, and he used to talk uh, when we go in these coaching clinics at Nike and everything. He used to say, which all coaches know, but, you know, you got to take into effect the game you played the week before, where you played it, the travel, how much it takes out of your team going into the next week because it really is a, a, just like a Burma road. I mean, and it, there's a lot of difference. Like like this week, Tennessee's playing at 7 o'clock against Kentucky or 7.30. We're playing at 12 o'clock. They, they, they're going to get home at, uh, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Our guys are going to be – finish with the game at home at three o'clock. Now, I mean, you got to take all that into effect. I mean, that travel and all the things that are involved. So I'm not feeling sorry for Ole Miss, but uh, they have uh, some really good first line players, but their lack of depth is starting to really hurt them. I mean, it really has caught up with them because, you know, they had their chances against Auburn. Uh, You know, Kiffin continues and they lost to Alabama. This lost to, Ole Miss to uh, Auburn to go for it on fourth down. And uh, it's really hadn't paid off for him. You know, it does against the lesser teams, but they were one out of four on fourth down. He just kicked field goals there. But maybe he'll look at that hard and, and self-analyze. But here's the other thing. Uh, there will be a lot of burner phones there at that game. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be some people. Uh, it's going to be hard on freeze. I mean, they're going to get after his ass. And, uh, you know, people are still mad about what happened and they're going to want to get after him. I mean, certainly he's, he did a lot of good things there, but, you know, he left in such a really bad situation. And uh, But he left to some players and uh, it's always tough to go back and coach in a place where you've been before. We saw Kiffin going to Tennessee and I don't think they'll be throwing any bottles at him or anything like that. But there will definitely be some signs and some burner phones out there, that's for sure. He'll get heckled, but it's also kind of one of those job interview games for Hugh Freeze because you're seeing some I mean, Georgia Southern just hired Clay Helton, and we're in the middle of the season right now. So, like, some names are going to begin to move around here, and it's earlier than ever. And Hugh Freeze will be one of those that some people take a look at. Yeah, they'll look at him, and, uh, you know, I think his resume helps him a little bit being an offensive guy, but uh, their offense has hurt them this year against Syracuse, uh, some, some games. I mean, they lost the ULM. Uh, Terry Bowden's doing a good job down there, but that's a terrible loss to lose to, uh, you know, a game on the road like that. So I think your little luster's worn off uh, Q Freeze and this offense at this point. 3.30 game on CBS. We mentioned Auburn with its win over Ole Miss. The 13th-ranked Tigers now go on the road to College Station against the 14th-ranked Texas A&M Aggies. This would be the highlight game of the week in the SEC and Brent, when I look at this on paper, this is trying to be the number one contender against Alabama. Obviously, AM would need an extra loss from the tide to kind of have that tiebreaker. But if Auburn keeps on winning, then that Iron Bowl, as it typically is, has a ton of implications. This is a phenomenal game. I mean, Auburn's four and one in his last five and only loss, obviously, is to Georgia. Texas AM won three in a row, including the first one at Alabama. I mean, AM, when you look at they got oh at Ole Miss next week. 
and then they finish up with, you know, at LSU, but they take care of business here. And then they're like, Hey, Auburn shake. And, you know, and when you shake hands after the game, you got, you got those tied, you got the tide. It's all you got, you know, that kind of thing where go, go help us out and we'll be in the SEC championship game. But, you know, what's, what's interesting about this game is to me is who's going to be the, get the better quarterback play. And right now that is Bo Nix. Like Bo Nix is playing well, not in, you know, coach Bobo, They've got the Hunter, the true true freshman, that's kind of give a compliment to Tanks Bigsby. But that's four games in a row now where Bowmanix has a 74-plus, 74-better passing grade. And, you know, having the best season of his career as a passer. They're, and by the way, you know, Coach, we've talked about this, the drops that Auburn's been plagued with, the second highest in the conference in drop percentage, only two, one each in the last two weeks. They're just playing well. And I think actually they have the better quarterback, and I think they actually go in and get this game. Yeah, they got the better quarterback. I mean, Kels, uh, you know, Calzada's up and down. He's the elevator type guy. But, you know, they're going to be on the road against that uh, Aggie crowd. Uh, you know, I, I give them a lot of credit. I kind of bagged on their defense last week. I thought that zone would have trouble against, uh, uh, you know, Auburn, against Ole Miss. But the, the fourth down stops were tremendous. I mean, you got to give them credit. Get off the field. If they make it two of those, then they're probably going to go in and score. But uh, their red zone defense was outstanding. And I, I think just the fact that, that uh, A&M can run and pass equally well will put a lot of pressure on that defense. Um, this is a pick game. I think it could go either way. It certainly is one that would make a catapult for Auburn. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at, hey, we got to – we're going to play against Mississippi State. We're going to play against South Carolina, be favored in those. And then you're going to be playing Alabama for the championship. So they need to win uh, this game. And, and boy, that's going to jumpstart them because their recruiting right now is not very good. I mean, they're right way down in the bottom part of the SEC. But you start looking at their success rate and you give them a lot of credit. You know, I think Georgia wants them to win out. Strength of schedule. We need Auburn to be in the top twenty because if Kentucky loses another game, then we we got no strength of schedule. I mean, it's going to hurt us hurt us bad. So I hope that uh, Auburn wins. From the large spectrum kind of perspective, this is kind of one of those fulcrum games, right? So like L- LSU's down in the West this year. If this is a win for Texas A and M, then Jimbo Fisher gets to say. We beat Alabama, we beat Auburn, we beat LSU. I mean, we had a really good year in the West, which is historically the toughest division in in college football. The other way, if Auburn were to win, it's not even trying to look for what this means for like next year or needing help. It's Iron Bowl. Let's go. (laughs) Let's get the next couple of weeks and get to the Iron Bowl. So this is um, the biggest game in, in, I would say, the country this week. And I know college game day is not there, but it easily could have been. Yes. SEC Network, 4 o'clock. We mentioned Mississippi State being ranked number 17 in the college football rankings, college football playoff rankings. Uh, going to Arkansas, Coach, I think Arkansas has kind of forgotten a bit with, with this rough stretch. We saw it on the schedule a month ago and said, oh, I don't know how they're going to fare with that. But it doesn't get easier with Mississippi State, but Arkansas is still a tough team. Yeah, I think this is one game where Coach uh, – you know, Coach Pittman can tell his team, look, this is going to give us a real indicator where we are. We've lost to the teams we're probably supposed to lose to. We've beaten a couple of teams that maybe we shouldn't have. Uh, maybe Texas is not near as good as we thought they were. They've lost four games already. But 
takes the win over uh, A&M is just huge for them because I think A&M's looking at really trying to get to a major bowl. They could they could have that happen to them. So here's the thing, you know, they love that three three five three defense uh, or whatever you call it that they like to run, and that's what gives trouble to uh, Mississippi State. So I uh, think the thing that I saw out of Mississippi State, and Brent can give us some stats, which he's so great at, is Mississippi State ran the rock last week. I mean, they completed 36 out of 39. Now, come on, 36 out of 39. You can't do that in a Walmart parking lot. So uh, just Will Rogers on fire, but their running game really stacked up like it needed to. And, uh, and of course, their defense is really pretty good. I mean, when you look at the way they've stopped everybody except Alabama, uh, their defense is salty. So, can they win on the road? Can they? They've already beaten A and M. This is a toss-up game too, and I think it really shows you, really the the the, the way either team is moving towards respectability in the SEC because it's their second year for both coaches. So, you know. A huge game for credibility, in my opinion. And I'm going with the pirate. <laughs> and for the and coach, that's awesome. By the way, that you noticed that and brought that up about them running the ball. So I, I went and looked. They had 31 rushing attempts by the backs. That's the most in any game in these two years that since Leach has been there. I went back and looked at some even Washington State. Like I can't, I couldn't find. I didn't have enough time to go back far enough to see that a game with that many rushing attempts from their running backs of a Mike Leach coach team. They had 41 minutes of time of possession against Kentucky. Now, granted, Kentucky did have four turnovers that helped a lot of that. But like you said, 36 of 39 from Rodgers, insanely accurate. You know, taking obviously his depth of target is not great, but still completing passes at, a, at an insanely high rate and then running the football. And playing a little bit of defense, I think Mississippi State definitely goes in and gets the win here. Underrated unit, Mississippi State offensive line. And I know that they don't have to pass protect for long, but they do a good job. I mean, it's hard to get pressure on them just with the combination of the offense and then what yeah. they're doing. I mean, yeah. they get a lot of practice at it. I mean, when they, they come off the bus backing up, you know, so they really <laughs> do a good job of it. But for some reason, the only time they didn't this year was against Alabama, who's not a really good pass rushing team, but gave up, you know, four or five sacks that they don't. But the thing that happens that you get better at when you've got only three rushers, which everybody feels like they need to drop everybody off in these short zones where they throw the ball, then those tackles and guards and center, they can figure out who they want to double team and they can essentially get two double teams on two of the three guys that rush, and sometimes they'll keep the back end to double-team the other guy with the, with the single rusher. So they give that guy plenty of time normally. So, uh, and, you know, we, we saw that uh, Georgia just destroyed Arkansas with uh, their running game and then the play action that they did on those linebackers. So uh, if they can't hold up against the run against the, the Pirate, then they're going to be in real trouble defending the pass because – they're not a very good pass coverage team, uh, Arkansas. But, uh, but at the same time, I, you know, a mobile quarterback really can hurt this uh, Mississippi State team. I think we've talked about these last two games. I mean, they could either way go either way, and uh, yep. we're trying Point to flips. Give, we, we're trying to give you a good idea about what could happen. But, but I'm excited about the fact that uh, that we get to uh, 
to see that the Auburn game, and we get to see this one here too if we want to watch it. So uh, it'll be good, good because Georgia will be finished, and then we go on into the next game. I think we're going to talk about is Tennessee. Uh, is that the next one, or are you going to? We'll we'll go to Alabama and LSU. It's on oh, ESPN. Alabama and LSU. Come on, that's, that's... Yeah, typically it's a big game this year. No, man. I just said that as a joke. We know. <laughs> Can you imagine that CBS turned that Alabama LSU game down? I mean, and I I know why they did, but I mean, just the fact that it's not a, as the premier game, that's almost like saying Georgia Florida game's not going to be on CBS. I mean, that's a huge knock on where LSU is, isn't it, Brent? It just basically Very much tells, so. tells you that we don't think we can get the the, uh, the spark we can get, which they're looking at numbers and all that. But uh, hard to believe that you got an Alabama LSU game that's got a twenty eight and a half point spread on it. It is, and coach, you know, I was going to actually ask you a question about this, coach, because did you see Coach Orgeron's press conference where the guy asked him about sort of what he did in the bye week from a self reflection self scout standpoint and coach O was talking about how much basically it sounded like he was completely throwing his coordinators under the bus. We're too predictable in offense. We're too predictable in our coverage on defense We're we don't disguise anything. I mean, I was just shocked listening to that. Yeah. I mean, at this point, what the heck? I mean, the guy's out, he might as well be in a self-disclosure mode. It's like he's uh, going through a, a lot of texture tests, you know what I mean? You got to say what's wrong with him. And uh, he's, he's definitely tells it like it is. I admire that. But they really haven't been very uh, – and they haven't looked nearly as well coached as you'd hope them to do. And I, I hate to ever say that because I don't know what they're telling them to do, but they really don't do a whole lot on defense. And then their offense has been so predictable. Uh, you know, if they're running good, they, that's what they do. And if they they can't run, then they pass every down. So I don't know what the, what their offense is trying to do. And their offense really, really let them down against Mississippi. The, I mean, that was a game that they could have won if they, you know, you got the ball on the 10-yard line going in to be up 14 nothing, and then you got fourth down and kicked the field goal. We talked about it. But uh, the bye week really uh i don't know how much it helped them because i've got more guys talking about getting in the transfer portal everybody's looking about hey who's going to be the new coach what am i going to do and i guarantee there's a lot of people talking to their high school coaches or their mentor or whoever it is about getting them a plan based on what's going to happen with this new coach so uh it's got to got to be more of that instead of getting ready for the game and then of course alabama is looking at the standpoint of really rocking and rolling. You look at their last two games, the way they played, their offense product, their offensive produ- uh, productivity, the way they've uh, really moved the ball, uh, third down conversions. I mean, this team is on a roll. Uh, defensively, they kind of picked it up after, you know, the, the kid got on their whole defense. But uh, I think this could be an ugly game. I mean, I think – I hope it's not too bad from Max Johnson's standpoint, but I think it's going to be pretty ugly. I agree. I think Max Johnson will be running for his life uh, just because that offensive line is so porous. And even though Alabama's defensive front is not the greatest at pass rush, especially compared to previous Alabama teams, I think it's going to look a lot like the Mississippi State game. I don't know if it gets to that many points, but – yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing that everybody needs to remember: you, you you go to the game on three buses 
and all these kids are thinking about offense or defense or special teams. But, boy, your defense really catches fire when your offense all of a sudden scored 14 points, and now you don't have to worry about anything except cutting it loose because, hey, and then just that fire just keeps on burning, you know. But when uh, – just like Georgia got a lot of help from their defense last week, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the dam breaks. So – uh, a, an average defense or a, above average defense, all of a sudden when your offense is making a lot of first downs, not turning the ball over, not putting you in bad situations on field position, boy, you start playing a lot better than you actually are. Unless you beat Florida on one play, it's going to take more to beat Alabama. That's, <laughs> I think that's what we're all saying. A lot more. Uh, Coach, you mentioned at uh, 7 o'clock on ESPN2, Tennessee at Kentucky. Uh, you know, I, I kept saying Kentucky had a, a you know eleven and one on the docket, and then the Pirate got him, and, and it really wasn't that close. Uh, does Kentucky rebound against the Volunteers? Yeah, here's the thing about Kentucky: they either don't turn the ball over and play really close, or they turn it over and just give everybody a silver pack, uh, platter to play with. You know, that's the whole point with this team. Really good offense with with Levi's and the, and the Rodriguez and now they got Ari back or whatever his name uh, Ali back along with uh, Robinson. I mean they really put the pressure on you. But hey, when you got four turnovers, it's hard to beat anybody, particularly when the other team's quarterbacks hitting thirty six out of thirty nine and they're keeping the ball like Brent said for forty one minutes. You know you you only got so many opportunities and four of them you've let the ball to the other team. So uh, here's another game. We got three games here, life or death for both teams. I mean, you're looking at Tennessee. They get a win in this game. They're looking at a bowl game. They're looking at, uh, hey, we're probably third or fourth best team in the East, and everybody picked the seventh or eighth. Uh, Kentucky, two weeks ago, everybody's talking about, hey, they're going to be a 11-1 uh, team. Now all of a sudden, same old Kentucky, they got three losses. Then they still got to play for the state championship against Louisville. So we've got three barn burners here. I'm talking about LSU. Uh, Alabama is not that big a deal, but Auburn and Texas A&M and Mississippi State and Arkansas in this game, I mean, around the league, let's talk about it, man. This is big-time football here for life or death for these coaches. Now, that's not life or death, but, I mean, it's close. It's close, isn't it, Brent? It is, and you look at Tennessee, and like you said, with their expect preseason expectations, they win this game. They basically assure themselves of being at least 500 in the conference, and that's a big deal first year in the conference given all the turmoil they had with their roster. But from Kentucky's perspective, and also for Tennessee, you win this game, just think how much you feel better coming in, in the next week You know when you have Georgia coming to your place. But for Kentucky, they've got to get back to getting Chris Rodriguez rolling. The last two games against Georgia – Seven carries for seven yards. And then last week against Mississippi State, seven carries for 37 yards. They have to run the football. It's what they're built on. Will Levis is, has been good, has been solid, and has been even you know re good, really good at certain points. But the down-the-field passing game for him has become non-existent you know, now that they've been playing people over the past four or five weeks. But do that and then also get off the field on third down. Mississippi State, I think, was 8 of 12 on third down against them. If you want to – and if you don't get off the field on third down, one, your offense doesn't have the ball, your running game can't do what it's supposed to be doing. Two, you're allowing Tennessee to be in more tempo. 
and that's what they want to do. So they got to play well on third down, and they got to get the ball back to Chris Rodriguez and get him going. Yeah, and here's the thing about Hooker. He really is the kind of guy that can, can give Kentucky a lot of trouble because not only is he good at throwing the ball, but they're going to line up quickly and make you uh, show what you're doing on defense. You show him any kind of look that gives a quarterback run, he's going to take it. So Kentucky, you know, uh, Coach Stoops is from the old school of uh, really, you know, formation identity, uh, get lined up right, do everything, you know, technique-wise, a well-coached team. But a lot of that gets out of the door here when a team's lining up fast on you. So uh, this is not the M.O. that he likes to play against. I, I think can, if Tennessee can take care of the ball, which, you know, that's and eliminate, which Brent brought up early in the year, and I've watched him. They made a lot of so many stupid mistakes lining up themselves fast, not not getting receivers on the line or offensive linemen jumping back on illegal procedures. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Hey, are we going to go fast but stop ourselves? Are we going to go fast and move the ball? So uh, playing up there, there should be a good atmosphere, but not as good as it has been because all of a sudden the Kentucky Wildcats have had a reality pill here with two losses, and I don't know if that place, you know, hopefully it'll be a big crowd for Kentucky, but I think uh, the Tennessee balls are going to be there in mass. They're, they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of orange in that stadium. It's not a long trip, and uh, they're going to pick up some tickets, and uh, it, it won't be near the home field advantage it was against, say, Florida. I, I just don't see it happening. With the campuses so close together, it obviously is that kind of morale game. But how did Kentucky elevate itself to be one of the best couple of programs in the SEC East over the last few years? It's because of winning games like this and then using that for recruiting momentum. And so Tennessee, if it's trying to, to jump Kentucky in that pecking order, it starts with games like this. And a lot of Tennessee coaches have failed against Kentucky when you, know, you go back a decade ago, it seemed like that was – uh, pretty much a, a game that Tennessee was always going to win. So we'll see and, if Heupel can turn that around. And last year, just uh, uh, all those turnovers, Tennessee just turned the ball over like crazy. What, how many interceptions did Kentucky get, Brenda? Yeah. It, like, it was three or four. Or four. Two. Yes. It was like three out of four plays, wasn't it? Three out of, yes. I, and they it changed like, quarterbacks. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like, not uh, good. How quick can you score? And, and that took the monkey off. Kentucky's back. They finally won there in Knoxville. So, uh, boy, it's exciting to think about around the league. We got all these good games uh, and a lot of things happening here. Uh, you know, of course, I want to congratulate Georgia winning the East already with two games to go. Um, gift wrap from Kentucky there, nice of them to lose. So, uh, not, but, you know, Georgia's looking at the big picture here, too. I mean, you know, they really got a shot at the, at the whole ball of wax. So, don't step your toe against Missouri or Tennessee, but uh, congratulations. I mean, when you look at a program builder and what Smart's done here, Coach Kirby Smart, four out of the last five years win the East, pretty dang impressive. And to do it before November, I mean, that's almost unheard of in the conference, and that tells you the dominance that Georgia has. We do have one more game in the SEC East to discuss, but before we do, I told you to check out Connor Grading and Landscaping's gallery page on its new website it's really easy to navigate and it gives you a lot of good ideas for your property and uh you know i like the simple walkways all the way up to you know we showed you last week the, the putting green that they've installed but when you need to move a little bit of earth and make your yard front yard or backyard whatever it may be 
uh, just make it more usable for you and your family. You need to contact Connor Grading and Landscaping. Get their ideas, whether you uh, live near any kind of stream or anything like that. Look at this bridge. I mean, that, that could be at Augusta National. That's so beautiful. Uh, Connor Grading and Landscaping does a great job. Brent, you talk about them for weeks of, of how they've done a great job on your yard. And uh, you may be uh, getting them to come back out there to get you set up for the spring. I like the bridge. It's, it's a lot nicer than what I have back on uh, my property <laughs> right now. So go to, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, so they got the bridge. They got a lot of uh, block walkways. Uh, you know, any kind of thing that you need. Whether you're got a hillside up here in Northeast Georgia, they're based out of Monroe. They know what they're doing. And uh, coach, you talk about when when you see Brent Jard, you can tell that somebody knew what they were doing when they got that installed. Oh, I mean, I knew that he couldn't have done that by himself. Uh, even though I think he's a very talented guy. I mean, but come on, that. Uh, definitely not that that was before i even knew they they were uh, going to sponsor the show so uh, it was it was incredible uh and what was even better was when i came out there to watch a practice and we just had a big rain and i saw the way everything was diverted because the way your yard set up that could be a that could be a disaster but they had to have those rocks right in the right place didn't they yes they did very much so take care good people give them a call their contacts on the screen. You can email them as well, office at connorgrading.com or just use their contact us button on their website. That's connorgrading.com. They are uh, a company based in Monroe. They're a Northeast Georgia company and uh, they're big Georgia fans. So go check out what they're doing over at Connor Grading and Landscaping. All right, guys, final game in the conference this week. It is Florida going on the road to Columbia, South Carolina, 730 on the SEC Network. Uh, Florida needing some good news, and South Carolina is a good team to play when you need that, Coach. Yeah, I mean, uh, this Florida team right now has had a lot of negative stuff here with their coach. Uh, you know, any way you look at it, this is the kind of game you should get healthy with. But, uh, you know, South Carolina's had a week to really look at what they're doing and, uh, you know, hopefully – manufacture some offense they just put so much pressure on their defense because you know once the team scores you think good god we i don't know if we can win when we're behind seven nothing i mean they can't score and uh they're gonna have a hard time in this florida defense so uh, you know they're athletic and they they really do a pretty good job i mean you look at the fact they stoned alabama for three and a half quarters they really hurt us for a quarter and a half and I think Coach Grantham now is moving people around a little more, not just staying in the same front. Uh, we don't know what Richardson can do, if he's going to be able to play because of the concussion. Uh, so we'll just have to see. But that Florida should be able to name the score if they play. But you just don't know what kind of morale they got right now, Brent. I mean, that's the real key. Uh, it really is. you got Florida Gators with four losses, with four games to go. I mean, although they should win all four, but – if they lose one or two of them, especially the SEC, like they, if they happen to somehow drop this game, like they're fighting to be, they might be sixth in the East. Alone fighting for bowl eligibility. In, exactly. Well, I think they still will probably get that, but you know, it's one like of those Sanford, things where Sanford, Florida State, and uh, Missouri after this, right? Yes, that's so, right. Um, so I, I, I mean, mean if they it's don't a win, struggle, they don't win these. But, if they don't win these four, I'll be really surprised. But I know, agree, so and I and I think you're going to see because if, if Richardson doesn't play, 
and he's not even available, not dressed. I think Emory Jones plays well because of that. You could just, to me, you could see the previous week against LSU versus some of the weeks where Richardson wasn't as an, an option. Like he's, he was much more comfortable and let it rip a little more so when that guy's not sort of hanging over his head, possibly coming in the game. But, you know, the thing, biggest thing for me watching Florida's offense throughout the season and then this, this past week against Georgia, give it to 27 more. Oh, Pierce. I mean, Pierce. I mean, and Pierce. That dude's just hard to tackle. I mean, what he's, he had like 60 some yards and seven carries or? Yes. I he mean, did. I, I was really happy they didn't give it to him more. Of course, we were playing the quarterback runs and, you know, we were prepared to let him do it. Uh, a little bit. I mean, not give it to him, but we we were ready to play the quarterback a lot more. But I tell you, they'll need to get back to running him and not just put. I've always said about a quarterback, and uh, you've coached them too, there, Brent. Is there's a lot that has to go through a quarterback's mind during the course of the game, and it's comforting once in a while just to turn and hand the ball to somebody without having to read the defensive end or drop back and read the safety or know if they got four week or all just, Hey, have a routine play once in a while to take the pressure off you. Cause you're going to have 60 or 70 plays in a game where uh, the whole team's counting on, you know, so take a little heat off of them, turn and hand it to Pierce. I mean, hand it to Pierce. I mean, come on. Highest graded running back in the sec right now, by the way, Which I, mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't even know that. I, I, I was, I was shocked when I looked that up and saw that, but, he, he, he was impressive, and he's been impressive. He's always been a good tackle breaker. I think they should give it to him more. So as well, Kirby Smart would say, is that a joke rating? No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let's get into grade talk. That, that's exactly what we need to do, right, Brent? Hey, I, there's a 100% exact reason why he said that. That's all I, I'm going to say. He knows exactly what he's saying when he says those things. That will be all I will say about that. He's all, he's all over it. But, uh, boy, it's fun to talk about some good games, and I hope our fans are enjoying it because we got our opinions and all. But, you know, any way you look at it and you look around the country, SEC is just where it's happening, man. I mean, there's a lot of good football, good coaching, good athletes. I mean, I had a good friend of mine. Uh, I, I used the word good three or four times, but I had a really good friend of mine that knows football. Maybe not as much as Dane and Brent. There's not anybody that knows that much, but he actually went to the Michigan Michigan State game, and he, you know, he was talking about the atmosphere was great and everything. He said, "But there's a heck of a lot of difference in the guys that are lining up in those two teams and what I see in these SEC teams." Now he's not talking about the lower echelon teams in our league, but. He just said, overall, you know, if if those are two of the top three teams in the Big Ten, then, hey, we're in pretty good shape. And I'm happy for Coach Mel Tucker. What a great win. And the Michigan's doing better. But, hey, we the reason we got this show is around the SEC. And you guys are watching us or y'all since you're SEC people. Got to be happy about the kind of teams that we're talking about. Well, Coach, let me end the show by asking you about a future SEC team, and we talked about it at the beginning, Oklahoma with this stretch coming up, which is a resume builder. How do you like the Sooners' chances in the next month? You know, they got a tough Burma road here. They got an open date this week, and, you know, my daughter told 
somebody asked her who George Oklahoma was playing this week, and she said B Y E, and I guess now who is that? You know, <laughs> and trying to figure out by, but you know they are playing <laughs> by this week, and so uh, y'all got to catch this quicker now. I said I I, I got that one. the whole time. If they got to buy this week, then they got to go to play at Oklahoma State. And to end the season, and this next week they play at Baylor, and then they've got Iowa State in between. I'm actually going to the Iowa State game, and I'll give you a scouting report on that, uh, you know, right before Thanksgiving. But I think they're in good, as we said in the pre- uh, preliminary part talk of the show, talking about the playoffs, they're in a good shape as far as strength of schedule now with these three games coming up, plus an SC, uh, Big 12 championship game if they're in it. They, they're in good shape, but they got to, you know, all of a sudden, uh, and the only way I can say it is what a guy told me, you know, if you had a gasoline enema, you'd feel pretty good. I guarantee you they got a gasoline enema when they got Caleb <laughs> Williams playing quarterback. That team is just a different football team right now. They're making plays on offense or defense is picking it up. They're starting to get some defensive players back. They've made some changes and taken some athletic kids and moved them from one position to another, which a team should do when they're having the problems they are. But uh, Oklahoma's in pretty good position to make a move in the, toward the playoffs, but they're going to have to do it. I mean, hey, I was impressed. I watched Baylor against uh, Tennessee – I mean, excuse me, against Texas last week. Impressive team. Iowa State – not as impressive, although I'm sure my man was fired up about the West Virginia Mountaineers beating them. Yep. And then, of course, Oklahoma State, you talk about Georgia, Georgia Tech, and uh, Oklahoma, Texas, and all that. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is pure hate. I mean, I've never seen a team despise each other as much as those two. So that game could go either way, too. I mean, you know, although Bedlam – has been in favor of George of uh, Oklahoma for the last 16 out of the last 18. But, wow, they got a tough schedule ahead of them. It's going to be a fun end of the season around the country, but especially around the league here in the SEC. For Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins, I am Dane Young. Again, check out our friends and sponsors at Connor Grading and Landscaping. We appreciate them, so support the people who support us. And uh, thanks to UGASports.com for allowing us to do this and uh, giving us the resources to make it happen. Go subscribe to the YouTube page. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're getting up close to 20,000 subscribers. It's a rapid growth. We're putting a lot of resources into it. Go check that out as well. Uh, We will be back next week. This is Around the League.